word to the Lord. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and uh, this morning I'm going to talk about present sufferings and future glory, present sufferings and future glory. I'm going to start in verse number 14. And it says in verse number 14 of Romans chapter 8, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received this bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected this same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would, in a powerful way, use this message. Lord, I, I just want you to be glorified in the preaching of the word. And I just pray that you'd give me the understanding and the ability to bring forth your word. And Lord, help each one here to be able to understand and to assimilate this truth into their heart. Thank you, Lord, for the future glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've looked at a couple things so far in this passage. Of course, we're preaching through the book of Romans. We've gone from 1 to chapter 7, and we've spent the last couple of weeks in chapter 8. And in verse 14, we see that the sons of God are those that God leads. That means if you're a child of God, you're saved, that you are someone that is led by God. We can just turn those mids down a bit there, son. If you weren't saved, you couldn't be led by God. Not possible. But if you are saved, you are led by God. Now you say, but I'm a pretty bad Christian preacher. I know. But the fact of the matter is you're here this morning. And you're here because God led you to be here. Yes. Now it may not be that you're the greatest Christian on the planet. And it may be that you've got problems and maybe even sins that you're dealing with. But I know because you have Christ in you, you've got something that the world does not have. Because you've got the Holy Spirit of God in you, you've got something the world does not have. And you've got the ability to be led by God himself on a day-by-day -day basis, minute-by-minute -minute basis. And I understand we slip, we start getting distracted, we focus on the wrong things. But guess what? It doesn't take long and the Lord's sitting there. Remember me? That's because you're led by God. You're not led by this world anymore. You're not a part of that course that you used to walk ignorantly according to the lusts of your mind and so forth. We also looked at how that those that are the sons of God are those that God loves. God loves you. <laughs> and he shows that towards you. And we see that in Romans 8, 15. It says, 
For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We no longer have to fear because we have access to the Father every minute of the day. The Bible says we come boldly before the throne of grace. One that was only a servant was forbidden to address the master by Abba or Father. It's funny, even in the scriptures, the Bible says, call no man father. God takes that very personally. He wants us as his children that are born again, that have Christ's spirit, that have the spirit of adoption, to be the only ones on the planet that can say, Abba, Father. Folks, we're not all children of God on this earth. And it's a mistake to believe that. I know that's the in thing to say, and we can always say, well, we need to respect each other because we're all the children of God. No, we are all created in God's image. But to be adopted into his family, you need the spirit of adoption to be a child of God. And you have, an, you have a very unique relationship with him if that's the case. You know you're a child of God, you will call him Abba Father. Sometimes we listen to prayers, and I'm not against uh, praying to God in reverent ways where he is our creator and the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and if that's the way you want to pray but never forget he's Abba Father yeah. Amen. he's not someone that, I don't want my kids to come up to me and say dear father I have a petition for you <laughs> dad I need help that's a relationship and I love them and so I do whatever I can to help that particular situation amen that's what we have. The Bible says we're joined heirs with Christ. That we all share the same thing that Jesus has with the Father. That's a very incredible, unique thing for us. That whatever Jesus has, we have. Whatever he has, we share with him. Not just for the future, but right now. Right now, we have access to everything that Jesus Christ is. And the Bible says we're to be conformed to the image of Christ, and that happens by you taking on aspects of Christ into your life. You're sharing his life with him. You're co-heirs, you're joint heirs together. Amen? Now, some of that is not easy, but we know it's necessary. And we're going to look at some of that uneasy things. Now, it's easy to talk about the adoption and, and the love that the Father has. It's easy to talk about the adoption and and how we're led by the Spirit of God. But how about the certainty of suffering in adoption? That because you're adopted, you are now entered into a new stage of suffering in your life. That the world doesn't even consider. But you have to. This is interesting. Sharing life with Christ means sharing in his suffering. And that's what we see in this passage. It says in Romans 8, 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So we want to talk about the glory. I'm looking forward to the glory, and it's going to happen. I mean, that's guaranteed, my friend. One day we are all going to be glorified with Christ, and we're going to stand with him, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. Well, what does that mean to be glorified anyways? Glorified. The word here actually has to do with the thought or the essence of thinking. What does that mean to be glorified? <laughs> well, just think of everything you battled through every day when you got up this morning. How was it up here? Well, all in all, not so bad. <laughs> well, all in all, all in all isn't glorified. 
There's going to be a time where all your bitterness will be gone. There will be a time where you will not think of the hard things and the, and the hard things and the, and the things that people have done to you. There's going to be a time where you'll have complete peace in your, in your thinking. Everything that Jesus Christ is and everything that he thinks is what you're going to think like. Not only that, the Bible says that you're going to receive a body that is like unto his glorious body. So you're sharing that with him too. See, the aspects of being glorified is talking about you in, in your completeness actually assimilating the, the whole aspect of who Christ is and your joint airship with him and you thinking like him and being like him and, and feeling like him every day of your life. Folks, that's a good thing. Because now we get just slivers of that. We go through times, maybe on a Sunday morning like this, and everybody's singing together. We say, man, that's glorious. And I could see Jesus standing right beside you and just singing it out. <laughs> and he would share that with you, but then you go home this afternoon. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's not quite the same anymore. I don't feel like singing right now. That's because we're, we're living in this cloud of sin. We're living in this corruptness in our soul. To be glorified, my friend, is to be made into the likeness of Christ. And the Bible says that's a guaranteed thing for you. But he says, and before glory comes suffering. There is always the cross before the crown. There's always the tomb before the resurrection. And I know we don't like the tombs and we don't like the, the crosses. And it was interesting, I was... Uh, this, this Friday morning when I got that email that we couldn't get in here this weekend, you know, here we were all pumped and we were all ready to go and it's like, it's like it all just got taken away. That was the tomb. I remember thinking to myself because I remember my Sunday school lessons, see, I learned too, from the week before or a couple of weeks before we were talking about the death of a vision and the rebirth. And I said that to the Lord. I said, Lord, this seems like a death of a vision for this weekend and but Lord, where's the rebirth? Yeah. And I waited, and we prayed, and we waited, and we continued on, and we just trusted, and I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I remember sitting right there at that chair by the front door looking out and saying, well, I don't know what to do. Do I tell everybody we're not meeting in the church? What, what do I do? I said, where's the rebirth, Lord? And it didn't take a few minutes, all of a sudden I got a phone call. They've given you permission to meet there. I said, there's the rebirth. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you something. When you want to share with the glory of Christ, you have to accept the aspect that you need to share also with his sufferings. That is your call as an adopted child of God. That'll help you to, to realize that. It'll help you to know that this is not something that's supposed to take you by surprise. It's something that you are actually supposed to be prepared for because he told you it was going to happen. Amen? And you know what? That's why the Apostle Paul said that he desired to, to, to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. Because he knew if he felt the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, how great that glory would be when he saw Christ. How true that is. This passage, it talks about if. That word if can trouble some people sometimes. Especially if you're bent towards a certain theo theological belief. But losing salvation. The first thing you do is, oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> folks, the word if doesn't always mean 
a condition based upon what he's promising you. Sometimes the word if means since. Since we are with Christ, we will suffer with him. Or if you suffer with him, you'll also be glorified. Well, if you don't suffer with him, you can't be glorified. So now I've got to suffer to go to heaven. Just like Jesus on the cross. No. What he's saying is this. That if you are a child of God, it's a given thing that you're going to suffer for it. You will suffer for it. Now, we don't want to talk about that. We, we say, well, let's not tell the converts before they're saved. <laughs> no. We don't need to hide anything from anybody. Folks, I'd rather suffer in this dirty, rotten, stinking world than spend an attorney in the lake of fire. And that's why this passage is so clear when it tells us, let me get there. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now the thing is, to us, all we see is the suffering. And to us, that's a big deal. But he's trying to put it into perspective. He's saying, don't put the suffering so high on your list. Make sure that when you do your comparisons, that you realize that that suffering isn't worthy to be compared with the glory. So a lot of people, what they do as Christians today, they say, well, if I'm going to suffer, well, I'm going to back up a little bit because they're not focusing on the greatness of the glory. They're, they're comparing it like it's somehow in the same category that I'm going to make this choice and, yeah, I know, I know there's glory, but I, I don't know if I want to really uh, concern myself with that. I, I just don't want to suffer. But when you begin to understand the little bit of suffering that we go through as God's children today, and the greatness of the glory, folks, we simply don't understand the greatness of the glory of our God and what we are going to be like when we see Christ. If we would begin to see that in a clear way, the sufferings would see, seem so little and so temporal. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says this, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. He's teaching us that there's a oneness in a relationship with Christ. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If, if the head hurts, the body hurts. That means you can't expect Christ to have gone through the suffering that he has gone through and the body not to feel that suffering. And the Bible tells us as a church today, that if I were suffering, that you should feel that too. Interesting thing about my knees. You know, I got this one replaced. And it's supposed to make it better. <laughs> but I thought, okay, even if it doesn't necessarily get better, better. But then I'm wondering, then why is this one starting to hurt? Well, it's because I've been limping on this one. I'm limping on this one. I'm putting more weight on this one. And because I'm putting more weight on this one, this one is hurting more then it would hurt if I didn't have pain in this knee. That's the way the body works. When you're limping, there's some other knee that's hurting. You can't expect that you're just going to go about this isolated person. <laughs> if you believe that you are one with Christ, you cannot negate the fact that you're also one with the body of Christ. And you can't believe that if Christ has suffered for you, 
that you will not endure suffering in your life. Because that is the call of the adopted child. That's interesting. So many try to steer clear of the association, even with Christ's body, due to the suffering with it. So many people over the years I've talked to, the reason why they don't commit themselves to a local church is because they don't want to lose something or they're, they're scared of suffering in some way by being associated. And folks, sometimes when you've got a preacher that's preaching the word of God and they're not holding it back and they're hitting all the issues and all these type of things and you're getting you know, people on the job know what your church is about, how they stand on the truth, it will go into your life. So many people would rather just, well, then I'm just going to pull back. Well, that's because you've lost view of the glory. The glory. I'm not saying be stupid about it. Folks, is anybody that wants to teach right about suffering and dealing with people in this world, we've got to be the ones to love people even though they are terribly mean to you. We've got to be the ones to float above that like we talked about in Sunday school. Amen? But people want to run to protect themselves. We're good at that. So they stay aloof of the church. They stay aloof of the accountability. They stay aloof of the commitment because then it gets them in this position where I can hightail it as quickly as I possibly can. Even if they do come periodically, amen, let's just not go in too far. Folks, when you start connecting to the body, you will suffer with the body. Say, well, I don't want that. Well, then you don't want God's plan for your life. Now, if you think about that, I think ultimately what you're going to do is say, you know, maybe I should be thinking differently about this. I've just caught myself in an error. <laughs> but if you go on in that and you say, well, I just think I can do my own thing, then I'd say, are you connected to the head? Are you born again? I think any Christian that is really saved, if they get taught something from the Scripture, they'll at least give it a consideration. Amen? Like anybody in this room today. They stay aloof. First Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That's interesting. Have you ever had someone ask you the reason of the hope? Now, that's a pretty unique thing because usually people don't ask. Usually you're asking them what they're hoping in. But to have somebody come to you and say, what are you hoping in? What would drive them to that? <laughs> Why in the world would they ever ask you in the first place? Well, it probably is the way you handle suffering. The way you go through your trials. The way that you don't get all bent out of shape when someone on the job is acting like an idiot. Amen. The reason why when your family is sick that you're not just losing your mind and you don't know what's going on or you got someone in the hospital, you trust there's a God, that a Father, Abba, Father. You've got a different relationship with God and, and, and these people see that and they say, what is the reason? That's the only reason anybody asks you anything unless they're going through some kind of real problem where they just want to know. But it's very, and over the decades that I've been pastoring, that's not common. It happens. It says, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. 
For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. That, my friend, is the pattern. Christ is our pattern that we need to follow in our daily lives. It's always the just for the unjust, that we might bring them to God, put to death in our flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. <laughs> it's talking about soul winning too. It's talking about being a, a testimony to the people around you. That's sharing the life of Christ. That's sharing in the suffering and sharing in the glory. Amen? So that's the, the um, certainty. It's a certain thing, folks. <laughs> Say, well, <laughs> I'm a Christian, but I don't suffer. Suffering and Christianity are two sides of the same coin. If you're not willing to suffer for Christ and, you haven't, and you've thought that through and you've made your choice, can I ask you to once again revisit the head and have a little conversation with him? Maybe you just prayed a prayer. Because if you're born again, you're adopted into the family, there's going to come something with that. It's guilt by association. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes that works on the bad side when you hang around with the wrong crowd. But you know, it's the same thing when you're hanging around with the right crowd. Yeah. Amen. The second point I wanted to talk about is the change in suffering and adoption. The change. After the adoption, there's got to come adaption. After adoption is adaption. Any child that is brought into a new home from being a servant and slave must become adapted to the new life of his master. You're not going to have someone that's taken off the streets that the Lord just kind of bought and said, hey, now you're my son. Now he's just going to say, oh, just do what you want. Just act the way you want. No, what's going to happen is there is an adoption and that is so real and you are his child and there's no doubt about that. But that master is going to put some uh, energy into you and he's going to adapt you to his home. And that's Christianity as well. Now, we live in a day where we're like rebel children that have been adopted. We say, oh, I can do what I want, and nobody can tell me what to do. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We're not talking about here. We're not even just necessarily talking about the church, even though the Bible says that thou knowest how to behave thyself in the house of God. So there's a certain behavior that God's children ought to have that's going to reflect the Father and the way He wants us to live. It's not just the suffering that's in adoption, but it's also the suffering that's in adaption. Each one of us are being adapted. And I think we've got to have this in our mind that God is doing this in our life. He's changing us. And there is a change in that adoption. So immediately when entering into the new home, the master begins to train and discipline the child. He loves to adapt the child to his ways. How many times do you read the scripture and talks about the Lord's way? The Lord's way. <laughs> this is the way of the Lord. I mean, we say, oh, that's great, but you don't understand. If you're a child of God, his way must become your way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So there's all kinds of ways in the world, but we need to understand, for the adopted child, there is only one way to go, and that's the master's way, and not just the master, that is my father's way, and that's why I come to him over and over Abba, Father, help me. Help me to learn your way. Help me to walk in your way. 
Help me to do your way. Help me to think your way. Amen? Not think the way of my friend, not think the way of this, that, or the other, or even necessarily the way of the pastor. It's the way of the Lord. So we can suffer by our association, and that, that helps drive us into the relationship where we're not ashamed to admit that, I, yeah, this is my father, this is the house that I live in. Now, if that's something you're battling with, then you need to work with that. I don't mind suffering with you folks. I mean, in the principles we hold to and the truth that we hold true from the word of God, I don't mind necessarily suffering because I don't want to unduly suffer from that <clears throat> or, or in a way that, um, you know, is causing unjust offense. I never want to offend people unjustly, but I know this, that truth will always offend you got to remember, everybody that is, is offended has some way adapted a different way than you. That's why in the church, it ought to be a very rare thing that we're offended with one another. And when there is offense with one another, it's simply because someone has a different way. Or maybe you both have the wrong way, and you're not the Lord's way, but you're still offended. And offense is when you're walking according to a different way than the person that you're offended with. We know the world today, isn't that what it's all about? You need to believe this. Well, I don't believe that. No, I'm offended. <laughs> well, that's why we've, we've tried to in this, this country that we live in, in, in North America, and of course, when they came over from the States, they tried to develop this religious liberty. They tried to uh, develop this individual soul liberty where we can choose to believe what you want to believe as long as you're not, your hurt, you're not hurting someone else and bringing them into uh, some kind of damage. Amen? But you should have the freedom to believe what you want to believe. But the folks, what's understandable, what we need to understand in a house like this, in the house of God, there, there really isn't a whole lot of options and ways here. There's only one way that we need to go, and that's the Lord's way. And, and that's always hard, especially if that's never been your way. And so you'll be facing this temptation to become offended at the way of the Lord. And that's what the world is like. You're going to be on the job site and you're not going to laugh at the jokes and they want you to laugh at the jokes. You're not going to go out to them to the bar after work because you're just not a, you're a Christian. <laughs> we had this missionary to Germany come to our church one time and he went and had breakfast at the restaurant and the, the waitress asked, would you like to see the wine menu? He looked at her, well, I better not. She was kind of shocked. She says, well, why not? Well, he says, I'm a Christian. I like the way he put that. It kind of shocked her a bit. <laughs> I better not. And by the way, you better not. You better not. Well, that's not my way, preacher. Where we come from, I don't care where you come. There's a way everywhere in this world. There's all kinds of ways that you can go by. Well, we're going by the way of the Lord around here. We follow what the scripture says. Amen. And so that may offend people, and it does offend people, and that's what's going to cause you to suffer a bit. Just kind of being adopted into the family of God. You suffer by association. You suffer by your struggle. Every day you get up in the morning, guess what? You're fighting a battle. <laughs> you're fighting a battle up here. You're fighting a battle in your flesh. You struggle with the flesh 
in this world. Especially with this great purpose that we have in Romans 8.29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, my friend, that is a high calling of God. You are a part of a high calling. And when Paul said, I press toward the mark of the prize for the high calling, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about just doing stuff. He's not just talking about serving and, and getting a reward because I'm doing a bunch of things. He's saying, you know what the high calling is? For me to be like Christ, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And over and over he would say it. I count all things but dumb that I may win Christ. He wanted to share the life of Christ in every possible way, even though he had to fellowship with his sufferings because he knew that's where he could know the power of his resurrection. Amen? In the end of that chapter, he goes on and talks about being resurrected and, being and having a body like the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. His life was all about being conformed to Jesus right to the end. Does that make an impact to you when you think about your body? <laughs> I get tired of my body. I don't know about you. I would like to get a new one. <laughs> I don't think the world could do that for me. <laughs> but you know what? It, it makes a difference in my decisions down here when I believe that I'm going to get a new glorious body like unto Christ's glorious body. It helps me to think right about the sufferings I go through in my body down here. I just look at it and say, that's just for a little time. I mean, a lot of people, they lose their whole bearings when they look at something in life that will never change or they'll never have, to get, never have that freedom they used to have. Or, hey, I used to run, I used to do this. <laughs> and that, that bothers people. And, it, and it's somewhat, it should bother all of us, but in, in a real way, we just, I mean, that is just temporal. I'm going to get a new glorious body. And then I'll race you. Then I'll race you. Me and Ron are going to have a race. <laughs> May the Lord will give you longer legs up there. <laughs> to beat me, you'd have to. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, you're constantly, constantly battling in this world. And the battle is just you wanting to be like Jesus, and the world saying, well, we don't want you to be like Jesus. Colossians 2.8, it says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. There's a bunch of philosophies out there that are just there to mess up your, your confirmation to the, to the image of Christ. Vain deceit. They'll just outright lie to you. Tradition of men. Well, this is the way we've always done it. You guys had that in your past, in your family? <laughs> well, this is the way it's always been done. How dare we change that? Well, I'm going to tell you something. If it's against God's way, it's going to change. It's going to change. After the rudiments of the world, that means, hey, that's just not the way it works around here. There's some principles that this world goes by. I'm sorry, you just cannot go against that. This is just the way it is. And I'm sorry, you're just causing a fuss with what you're doing here. You're not going with the flow. You're, you're causing a ripple. They want you to just walk according to that course. Keep on walking according to the course of this world. But I, what really gets me in this passage is the last thing. It says, all these things, it says, are beware. And then it says, and not after Christ. Wow. 
They'll spoil you through all these things just to get you away from Jesus. There's a whole bunch of things out there just to get you away from one thing. That's from Jesus. Amen. That's the cause of your suffering, much of it, as a Christian. You go to the job, you face it all the time. Hey, Christian, don't be these mamby-pamby, uh, you know, rubber-spined people. And when you get the job, you just, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got to stand for something. Jesus did a lot for you. You need to die for him if he died for you. Don't you just be giving in to these people because they seem powerful and rich and they got a, they got letters behind their name and all these things. Don't let that intimidate you. They are not greater than our Lord. Yeah. Never. Never. Not even close. And when you keep your eyes focused on him, you will say, you know what? It doesn't matter what they say. Uh, they're going to meet the Lord too. Yeah. And I got to do my part to help them meet him right. Amen. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. You wake up every day with those desires and longings that are just kicking off this war in your heart. You know, that's suffering. That's a part of being a part of Christ. So if you're not having that and you're not suffering at all, then are you saved? Because I know and the moment I got saved, things changed for me. And I didn't know a whole lot of scripture. In fact, I took my first Bible college uh, course, and he wanted me to read the book of Ephesians four times through in 13 weeks. I was like, whoa. Four times? It's only six chapters. Your Bible reading schedule has much more than that during the week. But that's how little of the Bible I had read that it overwhelmed me. But I knew immediately there were things I couldn't do. I knew immediately that I was different than my friends that I used to have. I immediately knew that I couldn't go hang around at my buddy's place on Thursday nights for what they were doing. The Lord just drew me away. But then they don't like you. Yeah, it's called suffering. You will suffer with him you're a child of God I mean stop fighting that <laughs> you know it's going to happen a child of God is allowed to suffer through things to help him grow the Bible tells us that the Lord wants you to be prepared for his house he wants you to be purified and a good son and someone that handles things the right way someone that he can put in place of his business and when he goes out of town and say hey they knock on the door and they ask you this is what you do son you take care of my business for me and he knows that he's got a great confidence in the fact that you're handling things the right way blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. There's already a reserve sign on your spot. Who are kept by the power of God. Who's keeping you? Well, if I don't do, no, then you're kept by your power. The Bible says I'm preserved not by my power, I'm preserved by the power of God. I'm kept by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, your heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Manifold temptation. Just a little time. He says, hey, think about the great thing that God has done for you. It's, it's reserved. <laughs> reserved sign. <laughs> I'm going there. The glory. Wow, it's wonderful. But he says, even though now, manifold temptation, heaviness. He says, I understand that. But it's not purposeless. It's not fruitless. It's a trial of your faith. It's more precious than gold that perisheth, he says. Wow, these things that go through, they're supposed to purify me. It's like a, 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 the, the, the purifying furnace of fire that you put the gold into and purify the, the slag out and the garbage comes out the top. You take it off. You become more pure through suffering. The Bible says, he that suffereth ceaseth from sin. What would you rather, not have suffering and have sin in your life, or would you rather suffer and have the Lord remove some of that sin out of your life? Well, if we would understand what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we would definitely want to want sin out of our life. Because that's why he came. He was manifested to take away the sin of the world. He came as a lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. That's his purpose. But many times we suffer for foolish reasons. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.15, it says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or a busybody in other men's matters in case we're going to leave the Christians out here. Busybody. Get involved in business that's not yours to get involved with. Your life's not interesting enough so you try to get other people's life. No, don't suffer like that. So there's suffering in being a busybody. There's suffering in sin. The Bible says, don't suffer for that. There's no purpose there. I mean, sure, I'll, I'll allow suffering in your life because of sin, because I simply want you to repent, but you know, you wouldn't have had to gone there. You wouldn't have had to do that. But now I have to bring you through this, so it brings you on your knees before me. But he says, it's fruitless, it's not helpful to you. You need to just suffer for my sake, for righteousness' sake. That's where the glory is great, Amen. So what about this suffering? I'll be done. What about this glory that we're going to meet one day? There's a future glory that will be revealed in us, the Bible says. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, in you. Well, I can hardly wait till the Lord gives me a reward for all the things I did. It's not about what you do. It's about what you are. That's why the word glory has to do with thought or think, the essence of inside. He's changing you on the inside. <laughs> One day we're going to see him and he's going to completely transform us inside. He's going to be the greatest transformation. Then we'll look at our outside and say, that's great too. But I'll tell you, it's going to be great not to have that cloud over my head every day. It's going to be great not to worry about whether someone's going to say something, do something, hurt my family, hurt my children. Always on the protection, you know, keep my kids out of trouble, keep my, you know, all these different things. That's not even on the radar in glory. Amen. The future glory will be an eternal weight of glory. There's a great passage in 2 Corinthians 4.17. It says, 
for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this is the way we have to look at our suffering. This is temporal, and we look at glory. This is eternal. That's a way to keep yourself focused, my friend. Amen. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever's hurting you, whatever's bothering you in your heart, whatever it may be, can I tell you something today? It's simply temporal. And he calls it a light affliction. It's a light affliction, which is but for a moment. But the eternal weight of glory. Say, I feel some weight. I feel a heaviness, preacher. Yeah, but it's nothing like the eternal weight of glory. Amen. The future glory will exceed anything we have ever longed for in our hearts. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So as much as you try to think of how great it's going to be in heaven and glory, you are coming short every single time. It said it has, it has even entered into your heart. You don't even understand the greatness of what's going to happen when you see God. Amen. I mean, we could pretend, we could say, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. But even that, you're saying, I don't even know what to think, God. I don't, I don't even know how to process this. He says, yes, and you just keep remembering that. It's not even entered into your heart yet what I've got prepared for you. You think you got it all figured out? You think you know what heaven is like? How you're going to be in heaven? You don't have a clue. It hasn't even entered into your heart yet. And isn't it interesting that a lot of those things the Lord has kept from us in the scripture? He doesn't reveal all those things. He's not, oh, this is a prize. This is a prize. Boy, that takes faith, God. Yes, it does. It would sure help me, Lord, for you to just tell me exactly what I got to look for. No, 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 no. You deal with your suffering based upon faith. You trust me. Amen. Future glory. The future glory is so glorious it will be reflected through us to others. That's even today. You know, if you can get your, your heart and mind focused on future glory, that glory can actually be reflected through you. You read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It talks about how the, the, the reflection on our hearts through the face of the Lord Jesus Christ to others. The more you are like Christ, the more others see Christ, the more that they see the glory of God, the more that they're drawn to God. It's through us. Amen? But you focus on the sufferings, on the temporal, on what I'm losing and so forth. You don't get that. But you focus on the future, the eternal weight. Wow, then I become a great soul winner. Amen. It doesn't mean I'm not suffering, but it means I'm focusing on the right thing. See, some of you, you're about to make some real bad decisions based upon your suffering. I'm going to try to find a place where I won't suffer. But I'm going to try to find a, this. I'm going to find a job. I'm going to find some money. I'm going to find this. I'm going to find... Always trying to deal with your suffering and try to make it easier and more comfortable. Why don't you just own it? Own it, man! Own the fact that we will suffer. The Bible says the whole creation travails as a child, as childbirth. Hey, folks, we're living in a corrupted world. 
You need to own it. You, you don't know that way out of that. There is no way out of that. You need to trust Christ through that. And through that, his glory will shine through you. When you trust him, amen? The future glory will make us just like Jesus in all that he is. Oh, folks, just think of that day. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The greatest aspect of glory is that you will be Christ-like in your spirit, your soul, and your body. Right now, your spirit is sealed at the day of redemption. That's the most close thing to Jesus that you got, is your spirit. Your soul needs help. You're thinking. You're talking. You're acting. Your decision-making. That needs help. You need to allow God's glory to penetrate that by looking at Christ and allowing Him to change you to be more like Him. Amen? Then your body. All three parts of you be totally glorified. That's God's will for you. That will happen for you if you're a child of God today. Are you a child of God? Are you born again? Do you know that for sure? Have you been thinking right about your suffering? Have you been focusing so much on all the things you don't have and the things you got to go through that you've forgotten all the great things you do have? And not just will have, but do have and will have? That's why we're not being good Christians, because we're focusing on the wrong thing. And that's what this passage is about. It's saying, hey, refocus here. Refocus. Start thinking on the things of glory. These light afflictions, not worthy to be compared. Stop making it such a big thing. Start making his glory the biggest thing. And folks, as God breaks you down here, you will become more like Christ. All the things you're going through, even your own stupid decisions. You know, the Lord is using that to break you and make you what he wants you to be. All things work together for good. To them that love God, that are the call to